Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardawar. Today, we're going to talk all about Apple because they had their one more thing event and <laughs> couldn't stop bombarding us with stuff.、Uh, but also, the iPhone 12 Mini and the iPhone 12 Pro Max reviews are finally live, so we can take a deeper look at those two devices as well. And of course, it's console season. We can't stop talking about the consoles. We are finally able to talk all about the PlayStation 5, so there's a few details on that to this episode. But before we get to all of that, if you're enjoying the show, please make sure you subscribe on all the podcast platforms available. Leave us a review on iTunes and send us your thoughts and feedback by emailing us at podcast@engadget.com. We also do、uh, live stream our recording sessions Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern on the Engadget YouTube channel. So if you want to join us for a little fun live chat back and forth and Q and A sessions, yeah, you'll you'll see、there. how long this intro took to record in real time. <laughs> All the three takes, the、yeah. funny word that we came up with on Tuesday this week, I believe, because I can't remember the exact day anymore.、Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple had its one more thing event where it unveiled a bunch of Mac focused stuff. It unveiled the brand new Apple Silicon chip、mm-hmm. that no. I wasn't expecting to be released so early, but I guess it's been in the works for a while.、Yeah. I mean, we knew it was coming, but not so many devices with it, right? Right, exactly.、Mm-hmm. Um, to quickly run down what was announced, right? Like、uh, the new Apple Silicon chip is called the M1 chip.、Uh, then there was the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro and a Mac Mini, and all of these were using the M1 chip, as well as some updates to Big Sur,、uh, specifically optimizations for、mm-hmm. use on these ARM-based. Processor. So, Dev, what's your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway is that this is the biggest news Apple announced this year. You know, it is their last really? event.、Wow. We're just kind of tired, but it is. It's a fundamental shift in the way Apple does everything because the M1 chip. This is its own hardware. It's basically what、mm-hmm. they've been doing for the iPhone, the iPad for the past decade. But it's a custom chip that's ARM-based, has all their optimizations, but it's also like a very powerful system on a chip. So it is a single a single chip that has 
the RAM and the CPU and the I.O. and even like the Thunderbolt, uh, you know, technology for fast reports, which is Intel technology. So Intel technology is built into this. But the the heart of the processor is all Apple. And it just sounds, at least based on the benchmarks they shared and some we've seen from other sites, too, like Anantec. It sounds astoundingly powerful. Uh, Nobody has officially benchmarked the N1 yet, but Anantec had benches from the A14, so like the last-gen iOS chips. And that thing benches faster than AMD and Intel's latest desktop chips. Like, that that's pretty much it. And if you look at that benchmark, you kind of see, you know, Intel, AMD steadily going up, Apple growing exponentially in chip power every year. So by next mm-hmm. year, if Apple had stuck with Intel um, or even went over to AMD, Apple would have been limited by its competitors because its own chip designs are getting better. So th- it sort of answers like why Apple is doing this. Apple had to because they've spent so long making their own chips. Now they they have something super powerful that can truly take on Intel in the notebook space, uh, maybe eventually in the desktop space. The M1 chip just it's, it's a pretty big deal. Um, I'm just going to go over a couple quick things about it here. It is an okay. eight-core chip with uh, mm-hmm. four high-performance cores for high-efficiency cores. So it's very similar to what Qualcomm has done with its like big little Snapdragon design mm-hmm. where they have the higher-powered chips and the you know the, the lower-powered stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. built for efficiency. Um, it has, you know, the company also has an eight-core GPU or up to eight cores because one thing I learned just looking at the specs is that the, the base-level mm-hmm. MacBook Air, which is $999 still in the very good-looking machine, that base level MacBook Air only has a seven-core GPU, so they kind of skimped yep. on certain things here and there. But it's a very powerful GPU too. It's again very similar to what we've been seeing on iPads and iPhones. So yeah, this chip being in something like the MacBook Air is kind of astounding because it's a tremendous amount of performance. The MacBook Air, the new one, has no fans because right. your iPhones and iPads don't have fans. So. They didn't really need it for that. And just that alone, I think for everybody, for a lot of consumers, it's going to be like, this is this is the perfect computer for me because it's a light, portable thing that is still plenty powerful and that doesn't sound like, you know, an airplane getting ready to take off like so many <laughs> laptops do. I'm, I mean, We need to see more about how this chip works on the MacBook Pro 13-inch, which tends to be mm-hmm. more for power users. And the Mac Mini, I know a lot of people like those machines because... They, they want the flexibility of like a mini desktop. They could put it anywhere and just have like a very nice, powerful system. Apple is still going to be selling Intel versions of the MacBook Pro 13-inch, actually all these computers, um, yeah. because some people may need more RAM. So the only like big downside of the M1 right now is that it's limited to 16 gigabytes of RAM, which is, you know, mm-hmm. the, the RAM limit of all these systems, really. Like it was the RAM limit of the MacBook Air, but I, you could configure the MacBook Pro 13-inch to up to 32 gigs. So mm. the Intel chips are sticking around just for the people who really, really need more RAM. You know, beyond that, like, it's just it is, it's just <laughs> phenomenal what Apple claims to be doing here. Like, it, it sounds like they've basically turned the MacBooks into giant iPads um, just in terms of the optimization of the OS and the chip. That is something, that's an advantage they've had over every single Android phone, right? Because iPhones are custom tuned for the exact hardware that Apple is also building. So they're aiming to do the same thing for MacBooks. I think it's pretty exciting. Um, I'm worried about the compatibility stuff. They announced a new version of Rosetta, the emulation tool that came when the Intel 
switch happened uh, 15 years yep. ago. So that's going to basically emulate Intel-based apps. So everything should just work. But it sounds like it's also pretty easy for developers to optimize apps for the M1 as well. Um, so we're going to see a lot of that happening over the next year. What are your thoughts, Sherlyn? I, I also want to point out, we did a post-show chat about all this. So if you want to hear us dive in even deeper, uh, be sure to check that out. That's up on our YouTube channel. I, When you were saying that Apple's keeping the Intel versions around, that was my first thought was that the part of the reason, too, is before all the apps get compatible natively, yeah. Uh, there's also that reason to have the Intel version still available for people to buy. I think yes, for more power, more RAM, or not. I don't know about more power exactly. I mean, these definitely again, more to power. Remind everyone in some in some instances, yeah. yeah. In some cases, like and I like we we don't know what it's the head to head comparison yet, right? The Core i nine, <laughs> the Intel Core i nine, does that have a equivalent in the M1 range. We don't know. I don't know anyway. Yeah, I mean, th- there's um, a reason they're not putting any chips in the 60-inch MacBook Pro yet or the Mac Pro, right? Like, it seems right, like they're power. waiting for a much more powerful part to come next year or so at some point. Right. They might be able to launch the, uh, you know, what Qualcomm <laughs> called its extreme chipset version of the ARM-based chip for PCs, right? When Qualcomm did this, they started using the Snapdragon 845. Mm-hmm. Then they were like, oh, we made one specifically for PCs. And then they were like, 8CX is the extreme chip for PCs. And maybe mm-hmm. Apple has something like that coming. The my, my biggest thing is, yes, like one of the biggest challenges of switching over to a new architecture, chip architecture like this, is the app compatibility. Um, and Rosetta 2... You know, sounds like it's going to be smooth. Again, I, I feel like yeah. I need emulation is always hit or miss, right? You lose speed yeah. with emulation. So I really want to see how that works for sure. Also, I think like you to your point, Dove, ha, Dove and Doves, mm. Doves seem to be very <laughs> I speak <laughs> much for all more devs. interested. Yeah. <laughs> much more interested in um, you know, making their apps compatible with, you know, universal versions, which is Apple's name for their like ARM compatible apps um, than they were for Microsoft just because the same problem with <laughs> let well, me just the same problem let me that- just sit here and laugh for like because this is all I've been covering for right like when we cover Microsoft every Microsoft event is just like Microsoft to developers please please like <laughs> us please build something for <laughs> yeah. Windows 10 please oh, gosh, please yes. Windows on ARM and it's begging and it's groveling and Microsoft tries really hard to get those developers, yep. but developers aren't excited to do it because, hey, Windows is a platform that's been around for decades and people <laughs> yep. people know how to build x86 apps and they just want to build it their own ways. They don't want to put stuff on the Windows store. Yeah. Whereas Apple's like really, I think, does a good job of just like bringing people in and being like, hey, your app is this much better by being optimized <laughs> for our stuff. And it's yeah. a really compelling sales point rather than, you know, an hour long Microsoft build keynote, which may occasionally yeah. highlight some things for developers. Um, yeah. yeah, this is just what Apple does. They've always to, been good at getting devs. Yeah. On that note, just mm-hmm. to give y'all a little bit of a sure Sherlin history <laughs> lesson here, and at the risk of dating myself, wow. I used to be, you know, in computer club, whatever, and we took part in coding competitions. And uh, <laughs> I was introduced to this is way back when I was introduced <laughs> to Visual Basic .NET. Uh-huh. And yeah. I hated the crap out of yeah. VB.net. It was the worst, the, the worst thing that ever existed. Developer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Looking my at what Microsoft, I mean, Microsoft has, has and be like, no, I don't want this. <laughs> do yeah. not want to code mm-hmm. for this goddamn thing. <laughs> um, but anyway, I understand when you put that in that kind of perspective, I get it right now. Like, 
if you're you, Apple seems to just make it so much easier yeah. for developers um, to build. You look at you and look it, at like, the Apple promo dev video, and they're all like, "Yay, it's great! We got it working in ten <laughs> minutes. We have fast apps. Everything's super smooth." And the Microsoft side is just like, "Well, we have Azure compatibility and yada yada yada." It's like very nitty gritty, and I get it. Devs love that stuff, but also, uh, I think people just want nobody wants to do much work. Here's the thing I've learned yeah. in my time. Uh, everyone is kind of lazy and we don't want to do the extra work if we don't really have to. Apple has always done a good job of inviting developers and giving them reasons to do the extra work to be faster. Yeah. And there's a certain cachet for Mac apps, you know, um, think of like, it's a lot of people I follow on Twitter, but there are people who (laughs) I know are just like Mac heads and they love the pristine style of a Mac app and the way something's built for uh, Mac OS versus Windows. And there is still something to that. And I feel like the M1 chip is the ultimate culmination of all that. It is pure Mac, pure Apple, um, and apps built for that, like apps that can take advantage of it will have a significant advantage over everybody else. So there is a reason to do it. I I mean, so the point I was trying to make Mm -hmm. earlier Mm -hmm. before we kind of went in this (laughs) tangent was that the the issue here is very, it's like a parallel, right? Like Mm -hmm. Apple's been able to woo developers on iOS the same way it's, you know, had success there versus Android because also, like you said, it owns all of that hardware. It runs on that much amount of hardware. And you don't have to support like 50 different phones with your app, right? right. It just, it's a, it's a couple of phones. You don't have to accommodate for so many different screen sizes or different like pro like, I don't know what else might be different on different phones or I can't remember offhand, but anyway, um, Macs are the same, right? Mm -hmm. And also MacBooks are like, very popular, like used very widely. Mm-hmm. They're not like Dell's XPS 13 or, hey. like, you know, within the Windows eco space. Yeah. Eco space? Mm-hmm. What is sure, eco space. What is it with me and words? Eco space. Um, they're not like the Microsoft ecosystem mm-hmm. where there's so many different like yes. brands of laptops too. And so like there is a lot of excitement on developers part two because they know they'll reach that number of people mm-hmm. when they design an app and port it over. Um, there's more pressure as well because there's so many more people asking for these <laughs> updates or like upgrades to universal versions. So I think that's I don't want to hate on Windows too much because no, I am listen, we a both, Windows user. We both cover Microsoft. We are, I think, the only dedicated Windows users on the Engadget staff. I'm running yeah. this like I work all day on my Windows desktop. Like I, I yep. really like Windows as a platform. It's just I know where Microsoft is not good and it's not good at getting developers on board and building things and getting those native apps. So, hey, Apple is playing to its strengths right now. Um, The M1 chip sounds interesting. I really I really want to see what it's going to mean, you know, for the future, because this is basically Apple charting its own course. They don't need Intel as much. They still need the Thunderbolt port. Um, All these things are coming at the same price as before. So you're not Mm -hmm. paying a premium. And actually, the Mac mini is one hundred dollars less than last mm-hmm. year. So, you know, there there are a lot of good reasons to do this. Um, one thing a lot of people kept coming back to me to is just, hey, I bought a MacBook Air this year. I bought something recently. Right. Should I just replace it with this? And I don't, you're not, we're not at that point just yet. If you bought this year's MacBook Air, which we reviewed and we really liked, that's still a great computer. It just, it has a fan. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have some of the, you know, whiz-bang features of the new MacBook Air. But the hardware, just from what we've seen, the actual case and everything is exactly the same. So you still have a great right. keyboard on the Intel Mac. It's still very powerful. And the same for the MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini. You know, this isn't a rush out and buy thing. This is more Apple just saying, hey, 
for people new to our ecosystem, people looking to upgrade, if you have that crappy MacBook Air from two or three years ago, yes, this will be a huge improvement um, because those Intel Y series chips were just not great for a long time. But if you bought a computer recently, you're fine. It's just, this is a transition period where I also think it's also good to wait a little and just see yeah. how well pro uh, products perform on this new architecture. Buying first-gen anything, even if, if it's an Apple product, is generally not a good idea if you're worried about compatibility and stuff. So there are a lot of good reasons to wait. Don't upgrade immediately, but I am really impressed from what we've seen so far. I, I, I will also say that like um, I haven't spent any time whatsoever with the new software mm -hmm. um, running on the M1 chip. So much as I am excited for Apple's success in this space, because I think it'll push a lot of people to be better in the PC space, um, I have to wait and see, right? Like I, I, I feel like I need to couch against people who are already going to be like, you hate Microsoft. I'm like, no, I'm not. I just. No, we, we are literally is, the only Microsoft lovers. Like we are the only people <laughs> who would go to bat for Microsoft for so many things. I love Microsoft platforms because, yeah, I could just build a computer and, you know, install Windows and it'll just work. But for a self-contained right. thing like an ultra portable where I want the slimmest, sleekest notebook around, I see the benefits of Apple doing its own hardware for the MacBook Air, for the MacBook Pro 13. But. Hey, at the end of the day, I'd still rather have a laptop like the XPS 13, but we contain multitudes, people. It's okay. It's okay to get excited <laughs> for this little bit. Yeah. Now, speaking of some of uh, the hardware here, uh, one question that kept coming up mm -hmm. when we had a you know live stream post-show recap uh, on, I think, Tuesday too, was whether or not there's still going to be external GPU support. Yeah, um, I thought it would. Mm. We thought it would, yeah. but uh, right after its event, Apple removed uh, <laughs> e GPUs as a compatible accessory. Just didn't. From and I can, I can actually understand why, because it's not like that is a very complex accessory, right? Yeah. And and a GPU, a video card is a mini computer of its own with you know tons of transistors and a ton of like mm. ton of work that will need to go into getting those working on new hardware and maybe Apple just never built the hooks for eGPUs into the M1. That would kind of make sense actually. Um and also I don't know how many people are actually using external GPUs with these things. So maybe they're like it's just not worth it right now. I hope yeah. on the more powerful desktop bits like on the whatever yeah. goes into the macro pro 16 inch i hope they add in some of that functionality because pro users really like the ability to expand the hardware that they're using um i've talked to people who have a macbook pro 16 inch and really like that computer but when they get really down and dirty with their work they will they plug in an external dock and they use the extra right. gpu the power they have for video rendering so there are uses for that i hope Matt, apple hasn't forgot about its true professional users because that seemed like the problem with them for a while, right? They were aiming so hard at casual users and mainstream mm -hmm. users. The Mac Pro was a joke for years. <laughs> and, you know, it's better now, but still not the best thing in the world. So the, Apple still has a long way to go. Uh, any any closing thoughts on all this, Sherlyn? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know like, if it's necessarily closing mm -hmm. thoughts. Uh, the other thing that we you know, learned after our post-show recap was to, that the FaceTime camera on these laptops <laughs> is still the 720p version. They say it's better. No they say it's a better camera, but still 720p. Okay. That's not great. In a time where we're so reliant on our webcams to communicate with the world now, that seems like a, a thing that they should try to improve. For sure. Well, another um, thing worth mentioning, by the way, is battery life. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's the big yes. draw for Apple here because yes. 
the iPhones and the iPad have some of the best battery life in the industry for those device types. So Apple having its own chip, being able to fully control you know, the power architecture and everything should mean much better battery life for all of mean, these machines too. So that's good. That's useful. And that's the whole point of big little architecture, yeah, right? Yeah. The fact that you have these efficiency cores running that take less energy but still perform some of these lower demanding, ta- less demanding tasks without sapping your energy. For so sure, for sure. I, I, I am definitely stoked. I feel like ARM you know, architecture does bring better battery life in general. I just want to see like how much better. Yes. Um, yeah. So there, there's a lot to, I think, <laughs> look forward to. And right now, without having, you know, seen these things or tested them hard, mm-hmm. I can't really, I can't really like tell sure. you anything too evaluative. But it's, it's exciting, though, right? It's exciting, like <laughs> yes, for chip geeks, for people who love looking at hardware and the fundamental changes of how computing platforms are built. This is you can mark this week as a monumental moment for Apple, um, just as much as 2005 was, or was it 2006? Around then when they made the Intel <laughs> switch. So it's a big freaking deal. Um, but you know, don't throw it, out your old computer right away. It sounds like you're super hype. I mm-hmm. want to hear what you, my dear listener, have to say. What are your thoughts? Are you as hype as Devendra about these chips? And what do you want to see in the next version that might bring more power sure. to be used in like the 16-inch MacBook Pros? Like, what do you think Apple should do? Send us a note at podcast@engadget.com uh, and let us know if you wouldn't mind us, you know, sharing your thoughts yeah. on the next episode as well. So this week. We also had the uh, full reviews of the iPhone 12 mini and the iPhone 12 Pro Max uh, published on our site. The embargo's lifted. Hallelujah. So these are basically Apple's teeny, teeny baby phone and big, 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 <laughs> chunky boy phone. And <laughs> they should just go with those names. Like, names. I feel like mini is just too easy. It's just teeny, teeny. And big chunky yeah, boy. Exactly. I uh, like pizza sizes. That's all I want. Like teeny, tiny slice. The supreme the iPhone. Pie. Yeah. Right, the supreme pie and mm-hmm. the mini slice. Uh, but yeah, so our you know Chris Velasco, our senior editor for mobile, uh, has you know published has spent a bunch of time with them. But I also managed to get uh, some hands on time at an event here in New York. Uh, very socially distanced. All the precautions <laughs> were taken. Oh man, I've forgotten you know. what that's like to actually go to a thing <laughs> to an and test devices. Yeah. Weird. Okay. It was certainly like, you know, we had like a 30 minute appointment uh-huh. to see both these phones and then like churn out a video really quickly right, after right. that. So that was not a lot of time. I didn't get to spend as much time as I would have liked. Sure. But I can tell you, having seen these two phones in person, oh my Lord, should I buy the iPhone 12 mini? I almost <laughs> I don't. I mean, just reading V's review and reading everybody's reviews, it seems like, man, it's really cool to have a small premium phone. Yeah. But man... This battery is not great, yeah. and there's a reason we actually have slightly bigger phones, so they last us all day. So I'd worry <laughs> about the battery life of the Mini, but I am, yeah. having read all these reviews, I was actually waiting for the Max Pro to see, hey, is is that extra camera system actually worth it? It doesn't right. actually sound like it is. Um, I was watching right. um, between Chris's review and other people like uh, Marquez Brownlee, mm-hmm. like... There, there is a barely an advantage with the 12 Pro Max's cameras, which is like the the mm-hmm. main reason I'd want to upgrade. So I have an 11 Pro. I'll probably just stick with this for a while. And I've been trying right. to get my wife on iPhones. I'm like, I'll just get her a 12 because it's a little more affordable yeah. and 5G and it'll have all the like, she'll still be on iPhone and have good hardware that'll last her a while. So that's where I'm at. But wh- what are your thoughts, Sherlyn? 
I so again debating mm-hmm. the mini for myself. I think I'm so drawn to it because it's so, it's so small. Yeah, um, it's so cute. But you're right. I think the 12 Pro will serve most people. The 12, sorry, yeah, will serve most people better. It's still a nice compact size, mm-hmm. um, and you know all the features that you said, 5G hardware. That's also available Good in cameras. the mini. Yeah, yeah, but. Well, the same, I think the same camera setup as the Mini as well. Yeah. The but 12, the, like, the let's minis- just be absolutely clear. It sounds like the 12 system this year, just the two cameras is great, is fantastic. Because people reviewing the 12 Pro, you know, the smaller one, which is the exact same size, mm-hmm. barely any difference other than the telephoto, right? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. The triple camera, the third camera doesn't do a big difference. Mm-hmm. But back to my point about the Mini, though, um, the main reason the battery life suffers is because it's got all the same features, yep. like things like yep. the OLED screen, the 5G radios, yep. those things drain the juice, but in a smaller body, so not room for a bigger battery. Right, right. And that's probably why. That's so definitely why, yeah. It really, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. For me, I might go for the... Tw- well, I don't know that I need that much battery life and I might want the mini for the yeah. cute factor. It feels like uh, but then an experiment, right? I need to know. It feels yeah. like Apple just trying yeah. this being like, hey, people really like these SE phones, which are small right. and tiny or, well, it's still not as tiny as it used to be. But the mini compared right. to the second SE now has a bigger screen. You know, it's a, it's yeah. even a little more nicer portable. design. Yeah, yeah. I think the battery life is a concern. It's hard for me to think of battery life as a concern these days yeah. because I'm inside all the time. Um, I mean, even I guess in my like, house, I am because I don't always leave my phone plugged in. Like by the end of the day, right. just running around, taking calls, doing different things. I still like kill my battery in a way. So right. I, you still see it, you know. Right, right. So, I mean, those are, I think that's that's the main thing about the mm-hmm. mini, right? There seems like very little reason to get it unless you really like the tiny, tiny size mm-hmm. and you're okay with no battery life. The Pro Max, on the other <laughs> hand, to your point, Dev, like so with big. the Pro, it was the same thing. Yeah. It's, oh, good Lord, it is too huge. So I big. was playing with it mm-hmm. at the event and it literally, I could not stretch my thumb across the finger yeah. to get the letter A. Did I say fake my thumb across the finger? Yeah, I meant my thumb across the, the screen. screen. <laughs> yeah. To get the letter to A. To get the letter A. So just like one-handed but, um, performance for typing, right? Not not doable. Right. And and people have pointed out uh, on our hands-on video that you can use the one-handed keyboard, which shifts yeah. the keyboard a little bit closer to you the, can. whichever side. But sometimes you want to touch like, other things on the screen, too. It's not just the keyboard. so It's yeah. icons. Yeah. It's right. Like If I'm using it one-handed and the browser has maybe the buy button mm-hmm. all the way on the other side of the screen... I, yeah. I can't. If like, you want, if I, you want to swipe down to your notifications with one hand, forget about it. If you want to swipe down to your right. settings or something, you can't. Lord, it's just. I. You know what? Bad. I need to get very good at doing. Mm-hmm. I need to get very good at d- using my nose as a second finger. Please don't you know do that. Like we have a coronavirus going on, Trillin. You should not be putting your dirtiest object to your face because uh, you've got so many other things to worry about. Uh, one thing I'm I'll, kidding, but think about. Yeah. I'll I'll tell this to people. Like, think about the way you use your phones. Like, do you? lay down in bed and just like casually, you know, scroll up and down. That is much harder <laughs> with a yep. half pound device Heavy. with one hand. Yeah. Also, if that device falls on your face, it really hurts. Yep. That's, Plastic surgery. That's happened to me before, but also like I need to do stuff. <laughs> I'm holding like a two-year-old who's like squirming and fighting with me and I need to do yep. stuff on my phone. You, doing that one-handed with the Max, just impossible. So really think about your yeah. use cases because big phones are great, but two-handed phones only like man they just require so much more effort yeah uh in chris velasco's review he said that this is the best iphone too like of this year's lineup sure. and i can i can understand the battery life is a huge bonus 
um, and the big screen is nice. The cameras probably fly as well, you know, are nice. Again, <laughs> same point that you were making, Dev, that third camera is not useful to most people. Um, it just feels like overkill. One of the yeah. things that I, I it's a pro phone. came yeah. away... Right. It's, uh, the camera, too, is overkill because one of the things it does is shoot in Dolby Vision, mm-hmm. uh, 4K HDR, and at 60 FPS. And like, okay, well, do you really want to be shooting all of that with your phone? Yeah. Uh, I, I could see the useful for the usefulness for that just because one big reason I upgraded to the 11 Pro last year was just to have a better camera for baby photos right. and baby videos. So to have the best quality camera around to make sure you capture the full dynamic range of your child, you know, running through a field of flowers or something, then <laughs> I will support that. Like it still it will look better. The whole point of Dolby Vision is to capture more color information and more highlights and everything and. I haven't seen too much results from the videos, but I, you know, I want to have the ability to say like, okay, I'm getting the best I can with this hardware, you know? I had someone who is, you know, their job is to make videos for social media, for TikTok and Instagram, mm-hmm. reach out and say that like, oh yeah, very curious about the Pro Max's videos, video quality. And, you know, they, yeah. they seem to really be planning on getting uh, that for their job mm-hmm. or their livelihoods. Um, and if you're that kind of person, if that's you, then mm-hmm. this is, the, you're the right for audience sure, for, for sure. this. You're phone. the pro. You're the pro they're looking for. Right. By the way, but HDR stuff, like you can't, if you shoot HDR video and then you're looking at it on a non HDR screen, like things look washed out. It doesn't look great. So I do wonder, like, it's not great shareable content to do the Dolby Vision, right. but it is great archival content to have the best quality version you can imagine on your phone. It'll probably look really good on the phone screen yeah, too. Yeah. Um. So so it will look good to you, but like to Devinder's point, yeah, it's not that shareable. Um. One one interesting thing I wanted to point out when I was uh reading V's review was the I forgot altogether that they had this uh sensor shifting based mm-hmm. image stabilization, and I was just so intrigued yeah. by it. Right. Mm-hmm. Only in the Pro Max. And I, I, because they have that much more room to play with to let the sensor move about in there. Mm-hmm. And I just was so excited to see how that worked. And it turns out it just doesn't make that huge a difference. No. And it's like, no, come on. <laughs> this is the Apple's problem. Cool like, not to, not to fawn too much on Apple in this episode, but the problem is they made some of the base level hardware too good. So the iPhone 12 <laughs> camera is already great. The Macs, we assumed these things would actually really help. And it turns out not... Not kind of a huge difference. It is really cool to see sensor shift on a phone because that's like a mm-hmm. DSLR feature, right? That's something right, you exactly. get with a much more expensive camera. But it doesn't seem like it's doing much here. Even the LiDAR sensor I saw from a few tests um, doesn't really help with night shots, doesn't really help with autofocusing really fast. It's just, it's there. Yeah. That's cool. I, mm-hmm. I used the uh, LiDAR on the 12 Pro Max uh-huh. at the event to measure using the measure app, the uh, length of the table. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which I do more like often than you'd expect. Yeah. 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 I mean, you just move. So you're probably like measuring furniture and walls and, it's and useful. stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is useful. It's a useful feature. I really, though, want to put the Apple cameras to test against Google's Pixel cameras. Sure. Uh, to me, Pixel cameras are like the leading, like the leader in the space. Sure. And you know, Google's computational photography is so great. The p- portrait mode on these Pixel phones are just so much better than the competition. Uh, so I really need to see head to head how they perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you guys already know, because somehow you already bought the iPhone and you have a Pixel, let us know. Uh, you can tweet at us, send us an email to podcast at engadget.com. 
Tell us if you think the Pro Max is the phone for you or the Mini. Maybe just go for the 12. I do feel like even for Pro users, this is the year where the cheaper, like the base iPhone is great. It's fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, if you have thoughts, like we said, just send them to us on podcast at Engadget.com. Apple wasn't the only company in the news this week. We've got our PlayStation 5 full thoughts. We did a gameplay live stream uh, yesterday. That is Wednesday this week, too, with Jess Condit and Dev. You can go check that out. They play, You played Demon's Souls and... A uh, bunch of other games. Miles Morales. Uh, what else? We bunch played of games. Miles Morales. Miles we played, Morales. We showed Godfall. You know, we showed a bunch of stuff. Mm. So if you want to see it in action, in as much as we can show in the you know restrictive format of a stream because you can only yeah. get like 1080p 60 video it's a good chat and Jess and I had a good time talking about like what makes the PS5 so unique and special I've been thinking about what console to get for a little <laughs> bit and you know this week news yeah. broke that overcooked all you can eat will be a launch title for I saw it first on the PlayStation blog so I was like there oh are my other God, games I'm Sterling, the there are games 5. beyond overcooked and but- solitaire come on <laughs> Listen, I will discover them soon enough. Mm-hmm. But right now, right now, it's overcooked, all you can eat. And uh, it will be launched out on the Xbox Series S and X as well. But the overcooked <laughs> uh, on the PlayStation 5. Wait, so what ha- are you excited about? Because it's also controllers. coming to Xbox. I'm excited for the DualSense integrations. I really want to know how that feels like. You guys have been playing with yeah. this controller for a bit now. I want to know what the extras are. But anyway, Dev, what are your thoughts now that you can say whatever you want about for this? For sure. Console? And I will say, also, go check out my full PlayStation 5 review at gadget and we did a whole video about it too uh it was kind of a trip to basically write two whole console reviews in a week and shoot the videos and do all the stuff because it's just a lot to take in but i think my main Mm -hmm. takeaway is just the ps5 and the xbox series x they're both great they run basically the same hardware they offer the same sort of optimizations for games both run really fast Mm -hmm. ssds both have like amd cpus and gpus they're great for 4K gaming. It's going to be a huge upgrade um, once you start to see games that take advantage of it. Sony's advantage here is that uh, they have those games kind of already. You know, Miles Morales mm-hmm. looks great. It looks fantastic. Um, mm. Was it Demon Souls, which I just played a bit yesterday, looks like an amazing uh, conversion. It looks it like looks an amazing really good. Remake. Yeah, because I am used to looking at Demon Souls screenshots and thinking this this ugly game is what people are so obsessed <laughs> with. Uh, they did, wow. um, Blue Point did a great job of just remaking that title into something that looks lush and beautiful. The light looks so good. Yeah. Holy, I'm looking the at the, tra- for the people listening, I'm looking at yeah. the, the gameplay trailer right now. Yeah, and the stream, like the stream doesn't even capture like the way the light looks with HDR, with the newer TV and stuff. Mm. So, you know, if you want to have the feeling of like, man, I have next gen gaming in my living room, the PS5 delivers that a little more than the Xbox Series X. I think this the Series X is more of a wait and see as more games appear. And I love the DualSense controller as as we've all talked about. It feels really good. It feels really next gen. Um, I don't know how Overcooked is going to take advantage of it, but Miles Morales <laughs> gives you like a good web slinging feel when you're Ooh. cruising around the city. Um, it's really Astro's Playroom, which we didn't get to play on the stream, but we've talked about before. Uh, we talked We talked about that on the previous stream. But Astro's Playroom, um, you know, does a great job of just telling you all the all the capabilities, like resistive triggers. You know, you pull back the trigger enough, you can actually feel like you're pulling back a bowstring and letting it go. And Astro, mm-hmm. like the rumble is so good, 
it makes you feel the difference between walking and different surfaces. Um, and by the way, we're going to be talking more about Astro's Playroom. I have an interview with the director of that game, uh, Nicholas Doucet. That's going to be on the podcast stream in the coming weeks. Maybe that'll be our Thanksgiving, you know, hangout chat. Little treat. Yeah, or a little, little treat. And it'll probably go up on Engadget as a text interview before that. So keep an eye out for that. But basically... Hey, this is a great console. I think this feels it feels more next gen immediately than the Xbox Series X does. But there's a reason huh. I scored them exactly the same because I think they all have plus and minuses. You know, Microsoft has Game Pass, which does have a ton mm-hmm. of games available, is slowly getting optimized with more things for the system. And I think for a lot of people, that's going to be just as compelling as these handful of next-gen titles that Sony has immediately. This is kind mm-hmm. of a short-term lead Sony has. I actually just started playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla on the Xbox Series X, and it looks fantastic, and it's running in, I believe, 4K or a type of 4K, uh, and definitely at 60 FPS with a ton of visual settings. So PS5 is great. Xbox Series X is great. Don't fight kids, um, but you know, pick the platform that I think your friends are using. That's usually... The way you do it, right? The people you want to play multiplayer with, that's kind of the platform you want. Although even that is becoming a little different this uh, this generation because cross-play is more and more of a thing. So you can cross-play with across consoles. You can cross-play across PCs. Um, yeah, there, there's just a lot. I, I think hardware-wise, I, will, I lean towards the Xbox just because I think that box feels better. Uh, the hardware, mm-hmm. like it's completely silent. It is a beautiful little mini PC, like the PC I've always wanted to build for myself. Whereas the PS5 is this weird postmodern <laughs> plastic sculpture <laughs> that I hate looking at. I just, I viscerally <laughs> hate looking at the thing and I have to move it sometimes too to, to like bring it over to my computer for streaming. And it's just, it's so big. It's so unwieldy. It feels cheap as heck. So I don't like the PS5 design. But they're all the same underneath. Uh, you know, they both play 4K games really well. So uh, don't flame me over that. I have my preferences. Um, maybe <laughs> I you prefer the look thoughts. of the PS5. Like, that's, that's fine. <laughs> totally fine. Live your life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, two thoughts. I One thing is, uh, I think I've decided which console I'm getting. Oh, no. Um, between the two. I'm just ready uh, to be disappointed, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> yes, you are going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I think I've decided on the PS5. Um, wow. <laughs> this time he's fine. A, because <laughs> I've touched the I've touched this thing at a friend's house who's also a reviewer, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, it didn't feel that bad to me. It was laying on its side, hidden away in the console. I can't, I can't trust your thoughts on like console hardware. <laughs> That's all. Uh, my I'm other reviewer friends also yeah. say they don't feel like it's super cheap. But anyway, yeah. it's also the unwieldy thing is a, definitely a valid point. It sucks. I don't see hold. myself. Right, I know, but I don't see myself moving it about a lot after I get it set up the one time. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure. Most hopefully. people won't, you know, yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, for you, it's hard because, like, you have to move it around so much for video, for, like, just doing these live streams. Um, So I get it. And then, the I don't know about discs, but I... <laughs> You I probably don't. don't you don't need edition. the discs. Like, right. Yeah, you probably so don't I want the discless one. one. Uh, hopefully that's a little bit cheaper. But my, I think my main mm-hmm. reason is because, yes, y'all have sold me on Xbox Game Pass. Mm-hmm. But I think our video, one of our uh, video team members, Julio, was saying that with a PC, Game Pass also works really fine, like really it well does, on that. It does, but you don't and have I a gaming PC. I, I mean, I might. Who knows? What? I might get. I mean, I might have. I have enough machines here. I'm, I'll check it out. Machines. I think I think what I'm going to do is check out Game Pass on a PC. 
And then if there's enough titles that draw me in, then I get like start feeling like I yeah. really want game. To play game Pass is really good on PC. It doesn't have most of the titles that are on Xbox. Like just okay. fair warning. Like the X, it's it's yeah, mainly built if for I Xbox. Get, yeah. If I if I start shopping on Game Pass, I'm like, oh, if I need an Xbox to play this, okay, maybe I'll buy the Xbox. You know what I mean? Like I, I mm-hmm. think I'm gonna start with the PS5. Use the um, you know, Game Pass as a way to kind of dip my toes in the Xbox water and then see if I want to get an Xbox after. And maybe the Series S is a good like side companion to mm-hmm. the PS5. But uh, I'm I also looking have a forward to you coming to the full realization of everything Jess and I have been telling you from the beginning. But yes, enjoy well, the PS5. But the, the other thing I wanted to say then is that where can people get the PS5 now? It seems like mm. they're all hard as hell to get. I mean, good luck. Um, good luck. I mean, there were yeah. a couple stories, right? They're not being <laughs> sold in stores just because yep. it's bad. Like they don't want the pandemic rush. So the best thing you could do is keep an eye on like deal sites and, um, you know, famous Twitter accounts like Wario 64 is a good yep. one for video yep. game deals or cheap ass gamer. And they usually like list like in the middle of the night, hey, PS5 is at Target or Xbox is at Walmart. <laughs> So if you can keep an eye on that, if you haven't pre-ordered one yet, that's probably your best bet. I do think overall, though, like for many people, you don't need to don't like you don't need to rush out and get this unless you're running the base PlayStation 4, like the original or the base Xbox one, because those systems, okay, those are feeling a little old. You're you're probably feeling the performance hurt and you want to upgrade immediately. So those folks, yeah, jump in it immediately. But if you have a PS4 Pro, if you have an Xbox One X, um, you could still play most of the third-party games. It'll still look very good. And then when you can get stock and upgrade, like you know, do that down the line. You can cr- you can transfer saves. Um, this generation, more than any other, is very like seamless in terms of how you move into it. So I think there is less of a rush there overall. That's true. I know, what but I'm gonna just to keep do? getting better at Overcooked on the Switch. There so. you go. And you have a ton of Switch games to play. You have all the great <laughs> indie games on Switch. So exactly. You know, uh, I still haven't played Untitled Goose Game, by the way. Oh, my God. Which basically you're the lead character of Untitled Goose Game. So, you know, it's made for me Uh. in real life. (laughs) Just goes around honking at things and causing havoc. (laughs) Honk. I don't even know what the sound is. But yeah, uh, good job. Good job. It's almost like you're a goose. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any final thoughts, Steph? I think the PS5 is a great system overall, but I think the Series X is too. So, hey, it's a good thing for gamers. We, we all have good hardware to look forward to. And if you're a PC gamer, you've got new GPUs to look forward to too. So I don't want to hear any of the like PC Master Race stuff, which by the way, that term sounds gross. Look it's at yourselves, terrible. people. Like, where is that term coming from? Think about it just for a second. But <laughs> PC gamers, console gamers, you can all enjoy good 4K gaming now. Console, like, the joy of consoles is that it's seamless. It's just a thing you turn on and you stick under your TV and you download games. And I think both of these do that really well. But if you're a PC mm-hmm. gamer and you have much faster, like a fast refresh rate monitor and you're more demanding, then you have AMD stuff to look forward to. You have NVIDIA hardware to look forward to. So it's great for everybody. Uh, stop fighting. Play more games. All right, let's move on to just a couple of things. The U.S. election is still ongoing. Apparently, like we are we are still in a weird uh, paradoxical space. Uh, Hey, Saturday morning, the election was called for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And I celebrated and uh, that that is the reality we're living in, even though um, not everybody seems to be admitting it. But hey, that's fine. Let's talk about something funny, which is that TikTok um, (laughs) CNBC reported this week that TikTok is still waiting to hear back from the Trump administration (laughs) about that whole the whole 
ban thing that the Trump administration <laughs> just spent the past couple of months really, really hyping up yep. because yep. apparently it was a way to show strength or something. Uh, meanwhile, TikTok did do a bunch of things like I and again, TikTok owned by ByteDance, not exactly a small company and not like an innocent in this matter, but it was a weird target of just a lot of scorn by the Trump administration. So as of uh, as of a couple months ago, what was it, September, uh, TikTok mm-hmm. announced a deal that, uh, let me just clear here. Mm-hmm. As of September, TikTok announced a deal uh, saying that it would form a new U.S.-based entity, TikTok Global, I believe it's called, with 20% owned <laughs> by Oracle and uh, Walmart. Mm-hmm. So that that is their kind of way to fix the idea of being owned by a Chinese, you know, major company. And TikTok presented <laughs> the deal. We reported in September that the Trump was like, sure, okay, fine, this <laughs> sounds good. And they've heard nothing since then so i just i just really want to take a step back and look at the ridiculousness of this whole moment of course of course the trump administration is busy right their leader got covid got the entire white house infected and um and there was a whole election thing the election was kind of a big focus for a lot of people um they still think they're in the election so they're probably focusing on that i just think it's hilarious i think it's this is a hilarious end to this whole story um where today is a date November 12th, as we're recording this, is the date the Trump administration originally said, you know, TikTok would be the would deadline. be banned if it did not, you know, right. if ByteDance didn't divest from TikTok in the U.S. Um, nothing's happening because they're also like there were there was never any consequences listed of what would happen to TikTok if they didn't. A, these are so called. Yeah, order. you can't operate in the U.S. Just or something. Don't, yeah. And now TikTok's like, um, so what? What is happening? <laughs> you, we did this so thing. We were- you told us to. And now we don't know. A judge, two judges, there were two separate orders. One banned, um, one stopped the Trump administration from forcing the removal of TikTok from app stores, because that was a thing that could have happened over over the last couple of weeks. And another completely banned, um, you know, killing TikTok on today's date. But the company still doesn't know what's going to happen, right? We were playing around with headline ideas for this story. And the one we went with was the the Trump administration has ghosted TikTok. And I think the other... Yeah, the other alternative TikTok's was left like, them on. Hey, want to go out for coffee? Want to go out for coffee? That yeah. sounds good. At some some no, no. vacuous point, the Trump administration was like, "You are not, you know, you're not a good date." Yeah, uh, negging, negging TikTok you, to the point wore, where <laughs> if you wore a different dress, we would take you out. And then TikTok's like, "Here's my new dress." Yeah, and Trump's yeah. like, "Cool." Wow. The administration, anyway. Wow. Um, so this sounds very funny. personal I'm for interested. you, Sherlyn. I hope uh, I hope we didn't <laughs> touch anything here. No, no. (laughs) but I I, what I'm interested to see is the outcome, which is like if if the Trump administration goes away, first of all, Mm. what's going to happen to TikTok after that? uh, When not if, Sherlyn, that's that's all. I know. I know. I meant when not if. We have processes in place. This is all going to be cleared up. I don't know about I'm fingers crossed. You know what I mean? But anyway, um, what Uh what I was going to say, though, is that like when that happens, What's going to happen to TikTok? Are they going to? And they went to all these lengths to yeah, find yeah. a U.S. owner, U.S. partners, Oracle, TikTok, and Walmart. So TikTok did say probably they did say like, oh, we'll probably stick with this deal after like all this mess. So they do want to continue with the Oracle deal, even though Oracle, the most boring company in the world, <laughs> to tie up with TikTok, oh, the hottest them. like young, the young social network. So anyway, yeah. 
Anyway. Suddenly people are talking about Oracle again. They're like, oh, we need to hang on to this. Nobody's like, talking yes. about Oracle again. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the only good thing to come out of Oracle is Megan Ellison, Larry Ellison's daughter, who is, who's done a great job of like pushing independent movies forward. But that's it. That's yeah. it. Okay, so we're, we're currently living in hell and waiting for when there's going to be a vaccine for the COVID-19 epidemic, right? That, that is kind of what we're all sitting and waiting for mm-hmm. while a lot of the country is pretending this doesn't exist and a lot of the world is refusing to wear masks. It's not great. Uh, but Pfizer announced this week that cl- test trials of their latest vaccine are 90% effective. And just reading a lot of the reporting from science journalists... Um, Seems like people are genuinely excited because uh, we were not expecting something. We weren't expecting a number so high. Uh, we were expecting at least around 50% or at least somewhere along the lines of how the flu vaccine works, which is not perfect, but it could get enough people covered where it could stop the epidemic at least. 90% is really exciting. Um, and I bring this up because it's technically a tech story. It's biotech because they're using a new type of vaccine that sort of reproduces the, the protein that COVID-19 creates in your body. So it helps your body get used to it rather than uh, just sticking dead cells into your bloodstream, like the flu vaccine and other vaccines. So it's a new technique. It could be really exciting. Um, This is a very lucky thing. And I think it's a great thing, but we also have to really rally around the science behind this, make sure it's legitimate. Um, I know they're um, submitting it to the FDA to see like how effective it is and see how safe it is. And uh, just listening to the daily, uh, the New York times podcast today, um, there are estimates that, you know, it could be, it could be headed to essential workers and, you know, medical workers by as early as January or February, which is, that's pretty good because we get those folks covered. They'll be able to help people more effectively. Uh, there was a great wired article too, about maybe potentially instead of giving the vaccine to the people who are most, um, you know, most vulnerable, give the vaccine to the people who are the most serious super spreaders uh, because that has been the (laughs) technique that a lot of Asian countries, honestly, like that's how they've clamped down on it is because uh, they use the, the source tracking to figure out who started this track all the people around them, but really yeah, lock down the super spreaders because once you do that, then you can really like just put a damper on everything. So it's exciting. I would say go read about this. Um, it's all we can do now is wear masks, be distant. I know it's the holiday season. You want to go see your families, um, be safe, play some video games, and Just hopefully we'll get continue this. to be vigilant. Yeah. I, it's you know, it's I, I feel like we've we've had to be this way for a while. Like I'm not touch knock on wood like <laughs> i haven't gotten sick uh-huh. in the longest time just because i've been so much yeah, more true. aware of not touching my face you know mm-hmm. what i mean like and that's wearing the thing masks is, and other stuff like it's all helped. it all yeah. helps you know yeah. while we wait on the vaccine we just got to keep doing all any mm-hmm. you can come to my soapbox yeah, yeah. Chat come to her next I, I will say <laughs> maybe maybe this is a good thing overall of just getting mask culture everywhere because i saw new zealand reported yeah. almost no deaths from the flu because Everybody is already wearing masks and taking the precautions. Exactly. And exactly. You know what? You know what is a weird thing? We've just lived with people dying from the flu. Like just, hey, yeah. oh well, thousands of people die from the flu every year. Not this much we can thing. do about okay, that. Yeah. Um, except the thing you could do about that is being empathetic and being considerate about what you do during flu season, wearing masks in general. Once even once we kill the COVID, like once we stop the epidemic. I think during flu season, I am always going to be wearing a mask because. Oh yeah, and I'm yeah. going to be sanitizing every yeah. all the time. That's all the, us you know, for like the future. Never touching my face outside. Yeah, yeah. that is us for it's the future. It's just 
smarter. Mm-hmm. You just keep yourself healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and keep you don't other, get people other people healthier sick. too. Yeah. Tune in <laughs> next week for whatever the hell else will happen with this president. More personal election. grievances. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's move on to what we're working on this week. Devendra, what have you been spending time on? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I just I just wrote two console reviews. Trilling. I wrote like 6,000 words. Dude, what yeah. more do you want from me? <laughs> God. Everything. Your Everything. whole life. Well, I am testing some things that I can't talk about, but I can talk mm. about some of the new the new Radeons, uh, the new AMD hard, uh, GPUs that were just announced. I am testing those. Uh, we're going to have a review up next week. It's basically just going to be benchmarks and thermal performance because okay. there's only so much you can say about GPUs and people just want to look at the graphs. But I am interested to see how they perform against uh, NVIDIA's 30 series lineup because that mm. is what AMD is really pushing. So we'll see how mm-hmm. that goes. I'm excited about that. It's funny going from $500 gaming consoles to you know $600 <laughs> GPUs, but hey, it's fun. <laughs> A lot of good game time in my basement. Uh, what are you working on, Trillin? I mean, can you call that work though? Like, if you're it just is still work because I don't actually get. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't actually get time to play the games. Like, I can I can play enough to be like, okay, this works good, and then spend and hours right writing away. about it. Yeah. For me, I've been working on. I don't. It, it, I'm working on a review. Like my review of the Galaxy Tab A7 went up. That was a tablet that I haven't like. I haven't touched a tablet that's two hundred dollars ish in a long uh-huh. time, and it just felt like going back to 2012 or something. Sure, it was sure. just like not fun. I'm um, working on some year-end stories. I'm back to doing like reporting, the type of story that I like to do, um, to do some sort of roundup for the end of the year for you guys. And I'm getting in the Nest thermostat, which I am very excited about. Wait, are you my thermostat installing apparently. that in your apartment? You're allowed to do yeah, that? Yeah, I looked at my system and it's mm-hmm. compatible. I did the whole compatibility uh-huh. p- compatibility checker thing and I sent a picture of my wiring to um, Google and they had a product manager look over. They were like, that's cool. And your apartment building is like okay with that? Like, because that's the thing. Like, normally, I figure buildings if I are can like, install it myself, don't. I can uninstall it myself. <laughs> yeah, good luck. And actually, uh, I, I'll say, um, I actually just ordered two of those too because I need new therapy. They look so, so good. They, they look all right. I wish um, they were as sleek as the other ones, but hey, we'll all talk about our new thermostats because it's the world we're living in. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing is um, I'm going to be back to testing a few laptops uh, as well. You know, we've got all the new Intel 11th gen systems coming in as well as uh, some other. I'm not entirely sure I can talk about one of the ones Mm. I'm getting in yet. Mm. So stay tuned, though. Stay tuned. We're still working, but at a more reasonable pace this time around. So when you're not playing games for work, Devendra, what are you doing to relax? Well, you know, I like to watch movies about people who inhabit other people's bodies and use that control to <laughs> I mean, assassinate people in gruesome ways, incredibly bloody ways that make you think about your your identity and your sense of self. So I'm talking about a movie called uh, Possessor <laughs> by Brandon Ooh. Cronenberg, the son of Bro- Cronenberg, you know, the guy who really popularized uh, body horror and really gross uh, science fiction and different types of stories, like just really extreme movies. Uh, this is a movie about, yeah, an assassin whose job is basically to dive into other people, uh, take them over like puppets. Uh, it's very Inception in a way, actually, um, and remotely control them to commit assassination jobs. And it is really cool. It's really interesting. I think it's a gruesome movie because it's a movie where 
you know, you don't just stab somebody once to kill them. You stab them like 20 times, you know, uh, just oh. because you can. Uh, there's a lot of gross uh, body horror and kills and stuff in here. But I also think it's a really interesting movie about the idea of identity. You know, like we I talk about VR so much and this movie in a way presents the idea of in, incepting somebody else's brain like a VR thing because she's doing it remotely from a pod. And sometimes oh. when you're in VR too long, you start to feel like, Oh, what, it, what is the real, like you, when you come back to the real world, it feels a little jarring because all of a sudden right. everything like you're watching. No yeah. There's no pixels. Uh, <laughs> everything you're watching like in VR is just that sense of reality is gone. So this movie dives into that quite a bit. Um, also there's some cool like future stuff too. Like uh, the, one of the characters works at this data mining company and all they do is put on the VR headset so it looks like they're in a boring office. And then through that VR headset, they just stare into people's webcams uh, without them knowing. Ugh. And just like data mine, like what's behind them. Like, oh, this is a you know Venetian blind. This is a great curtain. Um, and that's the entire company. That's their job. It's sort wow. of like an extreme version of Google or Facebook data mining you. Uh, you know, the fears we all have. Um, so there's that. I think it's a really cool science fiction movie. Um, very extreme. So if you're not into body horror, if you're not into like, you know, extreme gore or anything, it's, it's probably not for you. I watched, uh, the un uncut version of this and I just, I can't stop thinking about it. I think it's a really deep and interesting movie that is also bloody and a lot of fun and really interesting as well. But what have you been watching? Where? Wait, where can we watch Possessor? Where can I watch Possessor? You can stream it. it like you can stream it from iTunes or any of your video on demand choices. Okay, it is, it's up okay, there. Gotcha. Yeah. I have. <laughs> I spent this past weekend. This is this is not my pick, uh -huh. but I spent this past weekend watching the entire Lord of the Ring and the Hobbit series of films. On hell hell yeah, to half of that. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've already seen all of LOTR mm -hmm. uh, and I had seen maybe the first and the third movies of The Hobbit. So I was like, all right, well, and I wasn't very impressed. No, but I was like, oh, forgettable. But then like I was like, let's watch lifeless. the whole thing. Yeah, I was trying to watch the whole thing in sequence so that I would be like drawn in. And like, <laughs> I love fantasy. So I'm, I'm good just having it play in the background anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, but you were telling me, Dev, you had like some sort of different experience with the Hobbit I mean, because you, I don't think I ever forget, saw it in theaters. Did you forget what happened with the Hobbit? Like Peter Jackson. Because I don't remember. I think it was in Singapore. No, were you in like 2012, 2010? Yeah. Really? Uh, just no. You know what? 2012. Mm -hmm. I had just moved over to New York and I was studying 24 seven. Uh -huh. Did not do anything. So, but, I mean, based um, on just how wildly successful the Lord of the Rings was, uh, Peter Jackson like had this idea. He wanted to do 48 FPS Filmmaking, 48 FPS, 3D, high frame rate, 3D filmmaking right. for the Hobbit movies. Oh, boy. And I sat oh. down very excited to to see it. And from the very opening scene of that first Hobbit movie in the theater, I just wanted to tear my eyes out because it looked so bad. It looked like a bad soap opera in a way. Like there's a point where clarity in an image takes you out of the world. And it looked really clear. I think my first my first idea was just like, wow, it looks like there are giants in front of me and the window that's <laughs> normally there in a theater, right. you know, the window between the audience and the the screen is just kind of gone. Then after a while, I realized, oh, no, I don't like this. This is actually <laughs> incredibly ugly because oh, all no. of a sudden all the sets looked like cheap soap opera sets. The entire movie mm -hmm. looked like a cheap opera, uh, cheap yeah. soap opera. Gandalf's robes just looked like linen from walmart or something it just looked like oh, no. garbage so and peter jackson had the power to basically 
force a lot of theaters to convert and add technology to project these three movies in this format. Right, right. Nobody else really took advantage of it. So it was a big expense for a lot of people. I saw the first two movies in 48 FPS. And the movies themselves just aren't great. They're not exciting. They're not interesting. They don't have any of the life of Mm. the Lord of the Rings movies. But seeing them in this format that was just disgusting, um, made me hate them even more. And then I saw the last one in like normal 2D and it was fine. It was just a bad movie. Yeah. So I hate the Hobbit movies because <laughs> I love the Lord of the Rings movies so much. Um, but I'm glad you got to revisit yeah, Lord yeah. of the Rings at least, Roland. Um, my actual picks though, and and yeah, I was watching that just to veg out to some fantasy. Uh, my actual picks though, I want to. Con- I'm continuing the horror stuff from uh-huh. last month because I watched so many to recommend on this show, and I didn't run out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you ever told me to watch this before, Dev. <laughs> the Exorcist TV series. I think I may have mentioned it, but it was my wife started watching that, so my wife really liked it. It's, it's fun. So it's all right. Good. It's not bad. I yeah. like it a lot. Um, I like it because. Um, it's just the, it, I, I don't want to spoil any of it for mm-hmm. everyone. It's not very similar to it's, the original film, so, well, first of all. How, how far it's are not you? At how all far are you in I finished it? all of it. I've okay. already finished all of it. Because it is, it's not similar, but it is technically a pseudo sequel in a, in a right, way that right. the Exorcist, because there were Exorcist sequels, but it is yeah. a sequel to the original movie in a surprising way. And I really enjoyed that bit. Yeah. That, that turned mm-hmm. out to be, yeah, pretty... And um, yeah, the, we don't need to spoil season, it, but it is a yeah, thing. The yeah. second season is all about that. But uh-huh. the first season was not really about that. The first season on its own is just a wonderful, supernatural, sure. you know, show that you can watch. It's got the thrills. It's got the <laughs> plot. It's just characters that draw you in. It's uh-huh. great. So I really like that. And then, yeah, if you're still trying to check out some spooky stuff, check out Exorcist. On I, I will say, I, I think Evil did a lot of what that show was trying to do. I like exactly, Evil better. Exactly. But hey, they're different flavors, you know? They're very different. I think Evil is something that's tangentially spooky. It's not as scary as Exorcist there, is. There are definitely scary bits Fewer scares. Yeah, yeah. There are scary bits, but mm-hmm. I was able to recommend Evil, get get a friend to watch Evil, even though she didn't really like horror shows. Yeah. Whereas like Exorcist is something I would never recommend to her. <laughs> um, and one final spooky uh, recommendation for this episode is Haunted on Netflix. It's a f- documentary series. No. It's, this is my it's trashy so, recommendation. Gee, this it's is my, so like, bad. I know. But okay. I like it though because it's so it's so it's bad. Just it's just people like, in a people room who are like telling their stories. I was definitely haunted at one point in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Netflix like recreates <laughs> these stories, and it's, it's so, so funny. Bad. <laughs> oh man. It's, but it's I, I like the diversity on the show. Sure. I mean, there's a Filipino family that mm-hmm. moved to America that's telling their stories of like ghosts haunting their house and the recreations, or uh, they're just. There are some scares in there, yeah. Uh, but don't take take it all with a grain of salt. Uh, a lot of people have been like debunking They're the not, stories and stuff good. like that. It's not good. One um, one thing to shout out that is spooky and really great on Netflix is a movie called His House. Uh, check that out. It is. I great. have been meaning to check the that haunted out, house yeah. movie, unlike any you've ever seen. So I really enjoyed Ooh. that. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is up by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find me online at, at Devendra on Twitter. I podcast about movies and TV at the slash filmcast at slash film.com. We just launched a Patreon, so check that out too. Uh, where can we find you, Sherlyn? 
Send me all your horror solitaire games Ugh. or just fun horror games on the PS5. On Twitter, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us at podcastengadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to us on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. Subscribe on all the podcast platcher- platchers. Platchers. <laughs> platchers. Mm-hmm. Platchers. Mm-hmm. Mm. Please make sure you subscribe to all. To all. <laughs> I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. But before we get to all of that, if you're enjoying the show, please make sure you subscribe on all the podcast platforms.